legs are getting weary My back is getting tight I'm sitting here in traffic On the Queensboro Bridge tonight But I don't care Cause all I wanna do Is cash my check and drive right home to you Cause baby all my life I will be driving home to you I can't tell you how long I've waited to start anything with like that. There are things in life, there are things that everyone enjoys. There's series, there's actors, there's things in television and movies that everyone loves, that everyone gets into. And then there's things that mean so much to you as things that have entertained you, that have become an icon to you, that they are staples of your life and staples of things that you watched your whole life and you watched as far back as you can remember. And that was from, to me, what I consider, that was from one of the greatest shows ever to air. I would say possibly the greatest. And I loved it. Loved it to this date. And I've always wanted to start an episode like that. That was from, of course, as everyone can tell me, and everyone knows, that was from The King of Queens. With Kevin James, Leah Remini, Victor Williams, Patton Oswalt, Larry Romano, Gary Valentine, all, and of course, the legendary and great icon of all TV parents, the great Jerry Stiller. Yes, that Jerry, that Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's father. Now, if you ask me, talent is talent, and it doesn't always permeate the generations. Ben is great, but I always adored and loved Jerry. Jerry Stiller was an icon, a god. That's why I say, whenever I refer to him, I call him the great before his name. And then the great Jerry Stiller. And everything I'd ever seen Jerry in. Seinfeld. And when he was... When he was Frank Costanza. When he... When he became Arthur Spooner. That there's everything. There's nothing about Jerry Stiller I don't love. He, he was a great man. A great and talented actor. Beyond anything I could imagine. And The King of Queens is such an amazing show. There are to the point where I could watch it now, and I could. There's so many episodes and things that I've seen that are just so deeply ingrained in my head, and so deeply ingrained that that I can that can quote lines from it and rehearse and quote lines from it. And it's just, I love Jerry Stiller's lines, and he's a great actor. And Kevin James, I like Kevin James a lot, and the show was just incredible. And. I've seen other shows, and other shows have come close to it. Not close to it in the sense that that it equals it. Nothing will ever equal it. But there are shows that 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 I can get, that I can watch, and kind of quote lines along with the actors. Not like remember remember them as quickly as I can with the King of Queens and Jerry Stiller, but I can recite and quote lines just as quickly as they can, as as the actors do. And The Big Bang Theory was like that for me. 
there's something about it that I just can't describe to anyone else and that anyone else can't, not, can't get or get as well as I hoped they would. But there's something about Jim Parsons and his Sheldon Cooper that is like that for me. Now, he will never, no one will ever be Jerry Stiller, but you can, you can get to the point where I can quote lines like that, and that I will never forget. And I've always wanted to, wanted to know a little bit more about TV, like where it started, where it came from. And I don't know that I can enunciate or that I can say why certain, why the King of Queens touched me so much and why it means so much it's just there's there's a way it hit home hits home it makes me calms me it relaxes me and it just it's really helpful and i love it to death now i wanted to say before i get into i wanted to study a little bit more of the history of television and where it came from and a lot of this is yes from my notes and from other sites but a lot of this is just from from memory and my memory is a lot of stuff. I have an education in TV and film. So a lot of this is coming from memory. But it's also coming from from websites. Like there's a Be, Be Business. Like Be Business ED at the end. Be Business website. And a Wikipedia. It comes from there. But it's, a lot of it is also from my memory. And before I get into that. Before I mention it too in, too in depth. I want to say this is the first live recording podcast that I've ever done where my producers are live with me right now. So as I'm talking, as I'm talking, they are listening to to my recording and they're texting me and they're chatting with me in my ear. So in my in one of my ears, I can hear them. I can hear them talking in one of my ears and the other ear, which is holding the microphone, is connected to the podcast. So I can hear them in my other ear. So this is one of the first live recordings of them having them in my ear, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's, it's one of the uh, great things and one of the most amazing, incredible things. So anytime I have, they'll remind me or they'll jump in. I always want, so the history of television can be found in billions of homes around the world, but a hundred years ago, nobody knew what a television was. In fact, as late as 1947, only a few thousand Americans owned televisions. And how did such a groundbreaking technology turn from a niche invention to a living room mainstay? Today, we're explaining a couple of histories of the of television, and I'm going to get into a lot. That was from the article. So prior to prior to electric televisions, we had mechanical televisions. This stuff I didn't know. So this is from an article. These early televisions started appearing in the early 1800s. They involved mechanically scanning images, then then transmitting those images onto a screen. Compared to electronic televisions, they were extremely rudimentary. One of the first mechanical televisions used a rotating disc with holes arranged in a spiral pattern. This device was created independently by two inventors. Scottish inventor John Lodgy Baird and American inventor Charles Francis Jenkins. Both devices were invented in the early 1920s. Prior to these two inventors, German inventor Paul Gottlieb Nipko had had developed the first mechanical television. 
that device sent images through wires using a rotating metal disc. Instead of calling the device a television, however, Nipco called it an electric telescope. The device had 18 lines of resolution. In 1907, two inventors, Russian, born, Russian Boris Rosing and English A.E. Campbell Swinton, combined a cathode ray tube with a mechanical scanning system to create a totally new televising television system. Ultimately, the early efforts of these investors would, would lead to, a, to the world's first electrical television a few years later. And the first electric, electronic television was invented in 1927. The world's first electronic television was created by a 21-year-old inventor named Philo Taylor Farnsworth. Farnsworth. Kind of makes you think of Futurama, doesn't it? Hubert Farnsworth. That just popped into my head when I said Farnsworth. The inventor lived in a house without electricity until he was 14. Starting in high school, he began to think of a system that could capture moving images, transform those images into code, and then move those images along radio waves to differential devices. Farnsworth was miles ahead of any mechanical television system invented to that date. Farnsworth's system captured moving images using a beam of, of electrons, basically a primitive camera. The first image ever transmitted by television was a simple line. Later, Farnsworth would famously transmit a dollar sign using his television after prospecting after the pros, after a prospecting investor asked, "When are we going to see some dollars in this thing, Farnsworth?" Between 1926 and 1931, mechanical television inventors continued to tweak and test their creations. However, they were all doomed to be ob obsolete in comparison to modern electrical televisions. By 1934, all TVs had been converted into the electronic system. Understandably, all early television systems transmitted footage in black and white. Color TV, however, was first theorized way back in 1904. That's right, 1904. Something that we'll mention a bit later, uh, something that I'll mention, and the article mentions a bit later on down the page here. Something that even I don't recall, so I had to write this down. The two types of televisions listed that I mentioned, mechanical and electronic, electronic, worked in vastly different ways. Mechanical televisions relied on rotating discs to, to transmit images from a transmitter to the receiver. Both the transmitter and receiver had rotating discs. The discs had holes in them spaced around the disc, with each hole being slightly lower than the other. To transmit images, you had to place a camera in a totally dark room, then place a very bright light behind the disc. That disc would be, would be turned in. That disc would be turned by a motor in order to make one revolution for every frame of the TV picture. Baird's early mechanical television had 30 holes and rotated 12.5 times per second. There was a lens in front of the disc to focus light onto the subject. When light hit the subject, the light would be reflected into a photoelectric cell, 
which then converted this light energy to electrical impulses. The electrical impulses are transmitted over the air to a receiver. The disc on that receiver would spin at the exact same speed as the disc on the transmitter's camera. The receiver end featured a radio receiver which received the transmission and connected them to a neon lamp placed behind the disc. The disc would rotate while the lamp would put out light in, pro in proportion to the electrical signal it was getting from the receiver. Ultimately, this system would allow you to view the images on the other side of the disc, although you'd need a magnifying glass. And there's a, there's a, there's a di diagram which you can't really transform or can't really I can't really describe the diagram to you because it doesn't do really good it doesn't do good depiction if I'm describing something to you for you to be able to picture it. you just have to picture it and that's not good I just I don't want you to picture something there's a reason we stopped using mechanical televisions electronic televisions were vastly superior well duh electronic televisions rely on a technology called cathode ray tube or CRT as well as two or more anodes. The anodes were positive, positive terminals and the cathode was the negative terminal. The cathode part of the cathode ray tube was a heated filament enclosed in a glass tube. The cathode would release the beam of electronics into the empty space of the tube, which was actually a vacuum. I knew that. All of these released electrons all of, the, all of these released electrons had a negative charge and would thus be attracted to the positively charged anodes. The anodes were found at the end of the CRT, which was the television screen. As the electrons were released at one end, they were displayed on the television screen at the other. Of course, firing electrons against the glass screen doesn't make images. To make images, paint, to make images, the inside of the television screen would be coated with, with with something, a substance called phosphor, P-H-O-S-P-H-O-R. The electrons would paint an image on the screen one line at a time. To control, to control the firing of electrons, CRTs use two steering coils. By, by steering coils, both, both, not by both, both steering coils use the power of magnets to push the electron beam to the desired location on the screen. One steering coil pushes the electrons up or down, while the other pushes them left or right. The world's first television stations appeared in America in the late 1920s and early 1930s. The first mechanical TV station was called W3XK. And it was created by Charles Francis Jenkins, one of the inventors of the one of the inventors of the mechanical television. That TV station aired its first aired its first broadcast on July 2nd, 1928. One of the world's first television stations, WRGB, has the honor of being the world's only continuously operating station since 1926 to the modern day. America's first commercially produced television sets were based on the mechanical television system made by John Baer's television designs. These sets were shown off to the public in September 1928. 
It would take until 1938, however, before American electronic television sets were produced and released commercially. They were an instant hit after release. Easily imaginable, easily understood. The world's first television remote control was called the TeleZoom, T-E-L-E, TeleZoom, and it can be it can barely even be categorized as a remote control. The TeleZoom was only used to zoom in to the picture on the television. You could not use it to change any channels or turn the TV on or off. The TeleZoom was released in 1948. The first true, the first true remote control was produced by Zenith and released in 1955. This remote control could turn the television on or off and change the channel. It was also completely, it was also completely wireless. That I didn't know. In 1955, the first, the first true Zenith remote control was also was completely wireless. That in 1955, that's very interesting. Wireless televisions, wireless remotes, ha- has existed since way back then. Has existed for a long time. Remotes are not a new thing. Today, American networks pro- play thousands of different programs every day. Every single one of these programs, however, owes its existence to America's first television program, which was called the Queen's Messenger. That program was first shown in 1928 by, w, by WRGB. We're not 100% sure that the Queen's Messenger was the first television program shown in America. In 1928, the program was thought to be broadcast only to four, only to four television sets, not 400, not 4,000. Four, only four. Thus, there is some ambiguity and debate over whether this was actually the first television program. The first television station in America started broadcasting in 1928. For the first 13 years of its existence, television remained blissfully commercial-free. The first commercial broadcast in America did not take place until July 1, 1941, which is when the first American advertisement aired. The ad was for for Belova. The ad was for a Belova watch and lasted for 10 seconds. It aired on NBC. Color television traces its roots as far back as 1904, as we mentioned earlier, when a German inventor received a patent for color television. However, that inventor did not actually have a working color television. It was just a patent idea. A conceptualized color television system appeared in 1925 from inventor Vladimir Zworkin. However, this system was never converted into reality. All attempts to convert it into reality did not succeed. Color television was placed on the back burner for about 20 years. In 1946, the idea of color television was renewed in, in... emphasis and strength and in earnest. That's the word I couldn't think of, earnest. The color television war in America was fought between two industry giants, CBS and RCA. CBS was the first company to create a color television set. However, the main drawback was that it was was a mechanical television based on John Baird's original system. Thus, 
it was not compatible with black and white television sets in use across America. Despite this major flaw, the FCC declared that the, that the CBS color television was going to be the national standard. RCA naturally protested, stating that it was unfair to make CBS color television the standard when it could even, when it could even be used by millions of customers across America, most of whom owned RCA televisions. Unfazed, they continued to develop their own color television system that would be compatible with its customers' RCA sets. In 1953, the FCC acknowledged that RCA's color TV was better. Starting in 1954, color RCA TV systems were sold across America. Color TV had a similar initial pro problem as 3D TV and other technologies people own today. People owned the color, color TV technology, but broadcasters weren't producing color TV content. Few people owned color TV sets between 50, 1954 and 1965. However, starting in 1966, color TV programs, programming was broadcasting across America, leading to a surge in sales of color, televisions, color television sets. So there's a lot of discrepancy and a lot of errors in what we thought the fight between CBS and RCA is. There's a lot of inconsistencies there, but that's that's what we know and what we think so far. And the timeline is kind of kind of fuzzy, but as best as I am able to discern it, it kind of started around kind of goes back to around 1949. In January, the number of TV stations had grown to 98 in 58 market areas. In in also in 1949, the FCC adopted the Fairness Doctrine which made broadcasters responsible for seeking out and presenting all sides of an issue when covering controversy. This act was a supplement to the Communications Act of 1934, which required broadcasters to give equal airtime to candidates running in elections. In 1951, I Love Lucy, sponsored by Philip Morris, was born. The half-hour sitcom ranked as the number one program in the nation for four of its first six full seasons. On June 21, 1951, CBS broadcasted its f the first color program. As previously mentioned, CBS's color system only worked with a small number of TVs across the U.S. Only 12 customers across America could see the first color TV broadcast. 12 million other TVs were blanked out. In 1952, Bob Hope takes his comedy from radio to TV, as the Bob Hope Show debuts in October of 1952. By the end of 52, TVs could be found in 20 million households across America, a rise of 33% from the previous year. U.S. advertisers spent a total of $288 million on television advertising time an increase of 38.8% from 1951. And in 1953, let me scroll up here, this is all from the a website, my notes on the website. 1953, RCA released its first color television broadcasting system, which worked on 12 million TVs instead of 12. NBC, in 1954, 
NBC launches The Tonight Show with comedian Steve Allen. In 1955, Gunsmoke. In 1958, 525 cable TV systems across America served 450,000 subscribers. In response, CBS takes out a two-page advertisement in the TV Guide stating that free television as we know it cannot survive alongside pay television. In 1960, four debates between JFK and Richard Dixon were broadcast throughout the year across the country, forever changing the way presidents would campaign. In... 1963, for the first time in history, TV surpasses newspapers as the information source. In a poll that year, 36% of Americans found TV to be a, to be a more reliable source than print, which is favorable, which was favored by 24%. 24% meaning 24% favor print. The FCC in 64, the FCC regulates cable for the first time. The FCC required operators to, to black out programming that comes in from distant markets and duplicates a local station's own programming if the local station demanded it. In 1964, 73 million viewers watched The Beatles appear, appear on The Ed Sullivan Show. 65, one year after The Beatles, NBC called itself the Full Color Network and broadcasts 96% of its programming in color. In 69, Neil Armstrong walks on the moon for the first time as millions of American viewers watch live on network TV. The FC- in 70, 1970, the FCC implements the, final in- the financial interest syndication, rules that prohibit the three major networks from owning and controlling the rebroadcast of private shows. This meant 30 minutes of programming each night were given back to local stations in the top in the top 50 markets, encouraging the production of local programming. 1971 advertisements transition from 60 seconds in average length to 30 seconds. In 79, some people some people believe it is the beginning of the end for TV. As a poll indicated that 44% of Americans were unhappy with the current programming and 49% were watching TV less than what they did a few years earlier. Nowadays, that's all kind of different with the way things have been streaming. Does anyone really ever watch broadcast TV anymore? In 70, also in 79, ESPN! A network totally devoted to sports debuts. ESPN would go on to become the largest and most successful basic cable channel. 1980, Ted Turner launches Cable News Network, CNN, a channel devoted to showcasing, showcasing news 24 hours a day. And in 1980, MTV makes, it, makes its debut in August of 80, 1980. After 86, after years of, rate of rising rates, ABC, CBS, and NBC have trouble selling commercial time for sports programs for the first time. Commercial rates for the 86 NFL season dropped 15% from its 85 season. 
pay-per-view, pay-per-view begins to leave its mark on the television landscape, reaching about 20% of all wired households. Infomercials explode with growth. This year, the national, this year meaning 1992, this year the National Information Marketing Association generates sales of 750 million, doubling that of 1988. In 93, at the start of 93, 98% of American households owned at least one TV, with 64% owning two or more sets. Digital satellite dishes 18 inches in diameter hit the market, becoming the best-selling electronic item in history next to the VCR, and that was around 96. This all goes around, this all goes, and TV dramatically grows, dramatically jumps. In 2000, the the digital video disc, the DVD, was introduced. DVDs outsell VHS tapes for the first time in 2004 in 2005 flat screen TVs and HD TVs 2005 sorry flat screen TVs and HD TVs are introduced for the first time in 2006 the flat screens and HDs become affordable and Sony releases its first blue, releases its first blu-ray disc format capable of holding up to 27 gigabytes despite being the same size as the DVD. In 2010, 2010, just 10 years ago, 3D television sets start hitting the market, spurred on by popular TV broadcast blockbusters like Avatar. A lot of broadcasters and a lot of TV has been spurred on and been existed for a long, long time, has gone on for for quite a long while and it's it's a wonder that these things exist the way they do and exist how they do because it's just what things go on in the history of television is has been incredible and how tv has evolved and what like i was saying in the beginning what makes a difference and what makes an impact on our lives and where these things occur and where these things sit and where they factor in our world and our lives and all this came all this interest came from me loving the king of queens and loving the great jerry stiller and just loving all this and wanting to find out more about it so thank you all so much for listening thank you all for sticking around and hanging in there stay tuned for a little bit more on the end thank you all so much Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. go to Vegas, visit the best places all around the Strip and all around downtown, all around the surrounding areas, check out the best vlogs for Vegas anywhere on YouTube at Brar Frederick 
over on YouTube. B R O R Frederick F R E D R I K over on YouTube. Go over to Brar Frederick. Subscribe to his channel. Click that bell icon. Click that. Hit those those like those like up thumbs. Give give Brar a follow. Give Brar a look. You'll really love what you're seeing. He's an awesome streamer, the best Vegas streamer, and the best thing to watch while you're in Vegas before you go to Vegas, just to experience Vegas as a whole. Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters building a better, safer, more equitable world for LGBTQIA people and their families. Every gift, whether $1 or $1,000, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. Please show them some love and give them some support.